pray your hand upon their lives and as they continue to influence people. God, use them for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, this testimony is a good. Neville shared at um, 9 o'clock this morning, his testimony too. They're very encouraging, yeah? Thank you to Stephen and the guys who do youth ministry on a Friday night. That's a really big deal, and I love that uh, video. That was great. Thank you, Joel. Great job putting that together. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Yeah, Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together as an, in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you that we get to um, look at your word and you get to speak to us. Remind me of what I prepared. Help me to speak, Lord, the, your very words. And God, I pray that you will open our ears and our hearts to hear what you're saying to us, that we will grab a hold of your truth and we'll apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, many of you know um, that this year I coached an under-10 soccer team. Yes? I've told you that story before. And if you know anything about soccer now, I use the word soccer because we're in Australia, but if you're from any other country in the world, it's football, right? And if you know anything about football, under-10 soccer, is that every kid wants the ball all the time, and every kid wants to score a goal, like... And so they're running little clumps trying to get the ball. That's what they do. And so as the coach, I try to teach the kids to not do that. So I came up with a phrase that was this, get the ball, pass the ball. Get the ball, pass the ball. Get the ball, pass the ball. And just kept saying it, get the ball, pass the ball. And so the kids would get it. There was this kid in um, my team, we'll call him Matt, and he got really excited by this phrase. He used to clap his hands, get the ball, pass the ball, get the ball, pass the ball. So whenever we have our little team meetings, I say, Matt, what do we need to do? Get the ball, pass the ball. And after a few weeks, everyone in the team's going, get the ball, pass the ball, get the ball, pass the ball. Now, during training, it wasn't so bad. We would, we'd do these drills, one kid here, one kid there, get the ball, pass the ball, get the ball, pass the ball. We do three on one, two on one to try and get the kids getting the ball and passing the ball. But then when we went to Saturday games, South, big time, they went back to that huddle thing, not getting it, trying to dribble the ball on their own and trying to be Lionel Messi, whatever, how do you pronounce his first name, trying to be these superstars. And then it clicked with me. I needed to change my approach. And, and the way I changed my approach is that I started to tell them the why. Why did I want them to get the ball past the ball? Why did I want them to do that? And so I'd sit with the kids and I'd say, let me tell you why I want you to do that. Because when you do that, things will change. If you get the ball past the ball, you don't need the skills of Lionel Messi. You can pass the ball around a player, run and get the ball again. If you get the ball and pass the ball, your team will have more possession and the other team won't be able to score because you've got it and you'll score more goals. If you get the ball and pass the ball, you'll move up the field more quickly and you'll eventually win games. And it worked. The kids started to change their thinking and started to do it and we started to win some games. We've lost like pretty much every game until they got this thing and then we started to win three, four games in a row at the end of the season. Why am I telling you this? Because when they understood the why, which is on the screen, it changed their behavior. And friends, that's a principle for us, that when we understand the why behind something, it changes the way we view something, and it changes our behavior. If you're in a, if you're in a relationship, and if you ever said to your spouse, partner, if you've ever, if you've ever said to them, you need to, you need to spend less of our money. 
Now, if you ever said that, you might get an interesting response. I, I, I doubt you'll get a positive one. You'll more likely get a negative response. You need to spend less of our money. But if you phrase it differently and you said something like, hey, we need to cut back our spending, let me tell you why, let me tell you why, and you sat down with your partner and you said, well, the interest rates have gone up, maybe the bills, we're saving for this, this is coming up, and you explain the why, your partner is much more likely to get on board. True? When we understand the why, it changes our, our outlook on life and it changes our behavior. And this is true in marriages, it's true in business that, or in churches when, when we want to make a decision. If we explain to people why we want to make that decision, people are more likely to buy in to run with us. It's same in families. Um, the other day, I was cleaning the glass in our house, the back sliding doors, and uh, Joel was watching the television, and I noticed there was finger marks on the television screen. We have a flat screen, Samsung, um, LED, LCD thing. I love my television. It's got the best picture. It's awesome. Great for watching the Sharks on Friday night. Anyone? No. You're upset about that. Go to the Sharks. Um, I want to declare a week of prayer and fasting till Sunday for the Sharks, the grand final. Joking. Go to the, and the Swans last... No, that was the night before. Last night was sad. I wanted Canberra to win and I wanted GWS to win and they both lost. It's a bit sad. Is that a good thing? You're nodding. You're smiling, which is good, Ryan. You support Canberra, so you aren't sad for you. Sorry about that. I thought the Sharks were, were, were going to have, have. I thought the. I think the Sharks have a better chance beating Canberra than they do Melbourne. So I wanted Canberra to win, so they lose next week. Yeah. All right. Where are we going with this? Oh yeah. Joel's watching television, and I noticed the finger marks. And as I'm cleaning the glass, I'm saying, "Hey, Joel, can you turn the television off, please?" And if you ever try to talk to a man in front of a television screen. You're asking for trouble. So no, no response. Hey, Joel, turn off the screen. Not much going on. And then I hear Michelle yell out, Nathan, tell him why. Hey, Joel, tap him on the shoulder. Can you turn the screen off because there's finger marks on it? I want to clean it. Then you can watch it again. Oh, that's fine, Dad. Turn it off. Clean the screen. Then it goes back on and all good. You know, when we explain the why, people are much more likely to buy in. Where am I going with this? Well, this morning, I want to ask the big questions of life around why. And the big question I want to ask you is this. Why do we exist? Why are we here? Why do we walk planet Earth? Because when we know the answer to that, it will change our outlook, and li- outlook on life and it will also change the way that we live. But it's not just that question I want to ask. Why do we exist? Why are we here? I want to ask some more questions this morning. Let me give you some. Why should we treat people well? Why should we treat our spouse with honor? Why should we provide for our children? Why should I get free of my past? Why should I be deliberate in fulfilling my purpose? Why should I continue to move forward even when it seems life sucks right now? Why should I share the message of Jesus? Now, before you think to yourself, we're going to be here for three weeks, how's Nathan going to answer all those questions? I want to say this, that the answer to all those questions is the same. So as we move forward and as we talk about the why of life, the answer to all those questions I just read out are the same. What's vital is that when we understand the why, it, it helps us look at life differently and it changes our behavior. One of the things I've noticed about myself is that um, I often get in a rut, if you like. 
I get stuck in the here and now, and it's easy to get off track, meaning you get focused on things that are important, but not as important as some of the other things that you should be focusing on. School, um, I'm going on holidays on Friday for a couple of weeks, and holidays are good for me because it helps me to lift my head up from all the stuff that I'm doing, pray, hear from God, get his word in front of me, and I can focus again on the things that are most important. So I come back from a holiday into my role as the uh, lead pastor of our church, and I go, okay, what are the things that I should be doing? Because it's easy to get stuck in this and this and this and get off track to what we should be doing. And the reason that's important, and this message is important, is because when we understand the why, it takes us to what's most important in life. It helps us to focus our attention, to fo- help us to focus on things that are going to make the biggest impact. All right, are you ready for the answer? Here we go. Why do I exist? In my early 20s, I was wrestling with this, and I was listening to pastors speak, and one of the things that I heard from a few different pastors is that the reason we're on planet Earth is to evangelize. Now, evangelize means to share the good news of Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus. And when I heard that, that excited me. I, it changed my focus, and it changed my behavior. So I took every opportunity I, I got to share my faith with people and tell them about Jesus. But as I read the scriptures, I read something a little bit different. And as I read through the scriptures as a 20-year-old young man, maybe not 20, maybe in my 20s, maybe 25, 26, I came across this verse that radically transformed the way I look at life. It's a well-known verse. We've been here before. I want to take, you to the, take it to you again. It's from the book of Colossians, and this is what it says. The Son. Now, the Son is talking about Jesus. It says about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. So when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. The firstborn over all creation. That doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It's talking about his place of supremacy, of being um, Lord. Verse 16, for in him, in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created, get ready for this, through him and for him. Now, when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness me. Radically transformed the way that I think about life, I think about, I have been created through him and for him. Friends, if you want to know why you exist on planet Earth, you want to know why that you're here, you're here for Jesus. What that means is that you're here to honor him, you're here to please him, you're, you're here to love him, you're here to live in the way that he wants you to live. You exist for him. You exist for him. Let me read you another scripture from um, Romans. It says 14, it should be 11. It says this. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has even given glory to God that God should repay him? Verse 36. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Now, here it doesn't talk about Jesus. It talks about God. Now, we know God is 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it says here that the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, it's for Him, and it's through Him, and it's from Him that everything exists. We are from Him, we are made through Him, and friends, we are made for Him. For the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next one, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God exalted him, who's him here? Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here, it's not talking about heaven, it's talking about the next life. It, we sang in Cornerstone about the trumpet. Yeah, trump, trump, trumpets last week I hear. I was out at Liverpool, apparently Thomas played trumpet. And so that trumpet sound and Christ returns and the, and the judgment seat. Now at that judgment seat, people are going to be judged on their response to Jesus. If people have rejected him, they spend eternity away from God. But if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you spend eternity with God. But it's interesting that in this verse, that whether you rejected Jesus or you accepted Jesus, it says on that day that every knee will bow before him. Whether or not you accepted him or you didn't, you will recognize that he is Lord. And he is Lord for all eternity. And that gives God the Father glory. There it says at the end, God the Father glory as well. And so we are again for him, glorifying him in eternity. We're called to live, to love, to serve him now and again in eternity. And if you still don't believe me, here's another verse. 1 Peter 2.9. He says to, this is Peter writing to the, to the mainly Jewish believers, people who committed their life to Jesus, but Christians. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You know that if you're a believer here this morning that you're a priest. You approach God, you represent God to the earth. Yeah, you're a priest. He says you're a holy nation. Holy means to be set apart. We are different from the rest of the world. It'd be like we're, we're, we're Aussies, we're Australians, where if you're a Christian, it's like you have your own land. And that's coming, it's heaven, right? And we're a, we're a people group and we belong to God. It says we're God's special possession. Why? Why are we a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? Why are we God's special possessions? That we may declare the praises of Him. That we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Glorious, wonderful light, it says. Now, I was talking to Michelle one day, and she, she read this verse. And she said, Nathan, this is a great verse that, that is the vision of LifeGate Church. Our desire is to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. There it talks about the freedom. We were called out of darkness, out of sin, out of living for ourselves and into his light. And our purpose is very clear to declare his praise. Great verse for the vision of our church. Friends, when we get it, that we are here for him, it changes the way we see life and it changes our behavior. To be to live for him means to love him, means to declare how amazing he is, it means to serve him, it means to 
Obey, that's a good word. Thank you, Heather. Obey, so as we open his word and we see the things that he wants us to do, we obey him. It means that he calls the shots. It means that he sets the direction and if we're for him, we align ourselves with the way that he wants us to live. Now before we go any further, you might think that God has tickets on himself. Or, if you're not sure what that means, that God has a big head. God says, I am so awesome, therefore you need to give me the praise and you need to give me the glory. Interesting thought, isn't it? Interesting thought. And in our Aussie culture where we tear down the tall poppies and we like to, whenever someone says they're good at something, we go, yeah, right. When someone says, aren't I great at this or aren't I, aren't I good, we often go, but you might be good at that, but in that area you're not so great, in that area you're not so great. And that thing you think you're good at, well, actually you're not that good at that anyway. And when we hear sometimes... When we hear the stuff about God and the, and the Word, it's easy to put it into our context and to what we see with people and in the natural. So when you hear God say that we are here for Him, you might think, well, who is God? He has got a big head. He has got tickets on Himself. But I want to suggest this morning that it's absolutely right that we are here for Him and we treat Him in the way that His Word says we should. It's absolutely right that we love him, that we serve him, that we please him. Let me tell you why. God is very, very different from us. <laughs> now, praise God, but, but, but we need to hear this because he is like us because we're, because we're made in his image. Yeah, We can think, we can choose, we can love, but the first people that God, the Bible talks about, Adam and Eve, they're much more like God than we are because... They had no sin. We have sin. So when we look at us and we go, we're made in the image of God, we see a marred image of God, a broken image of God. And, and, and then when, when we look at, so in some ways we are like God, but in other ways we're nothing like him. He is all-powerful, who speaks and universes and moons. Thank you for the moon. Moons are created. I don't know how you go with that. It was windy at the beach, and I went, wind, stop, and it just kept blowing. Yeah? He is amazingly caring. You know, the Bible says that he sends, is it the rain or the sun? It's the sun, wind or the rain, doesn't matter, whatever. The sun and the rain um, fall and shine on the wicked and the good. See, people who treat God poorly, who ignore him, God still gives them air. God still gives them sun and rain because he's so wonderful and caring. God is so loving toward us. And, and, the, and the greatest act of love is in the death of Jesus, where Jesus had the nails pierced into his arms, hands and feet. And he died through suffocation for us. That even though we rebelled against him and not interested in him, God loved us so amazingly that he gave us Jesus. And not only did Jesus die for us, he took the sin of the world upon himself. He took the anger of God upon himself. He took the death that we deserve upon himself. The cross is an amazing, just amazing extent of God's love and kindness. And no matter where you look across the globe, you will not see love like that anywhere. 
Nothing compares to that love. It says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. For, is that right? That scripture that talks about, you might lay your life down for one person, but the whole world, the whole world and for generations and everyone that's existed, it's a love that goes so far beyond anything we could ever imagine or dream of. So when the Bible says that we are here for him, that we are here to declare his praise, it's absolutely the right response because of who he is, the one who made us, the most powerful, the most wonderful, the most loving. It's right that we treat him in this way. It's right that we treat him in this way. And friends, once we understand why we exist, it changes our outlook on life and it changes our behavior. You know, when you become a Christian, on the day you say to Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose again for me. I'm sorry for my sin. I choose to follow you, Jesus. You know, on that, on that day, you start to live a life in him where you make deliberate choices to honor him, to love him, to serve him, to get onto his agenda, yeah? We, we make that choice. But how often... Do we as Christians live a life that wasn't, that's not for him? How often do we live lives where we, we say we sin, we do wrongdoing, we don't honor God like we should? And friends, you're not on your own. It's me too. We all do it. But when we recognize it, if we're living for ourselves, we can ignore that and say, I'll do whatever I like if you're living for yourself. But if you're living for God, well, things need to change. And the Bible talks about repentance. It talks about repentance is you're living this direction and you recognize that you've messed up. And you say to God, God, I'm sorry for this. That's what we call confession. We confess to God, God, I'm sorry for this. But repentance is another step where we actually change direction and we head the other way and we no longer speak to our wives that way. We no longer treat our children that way, that we no longer speak to people that way because we have repented. Repentance is not just saying sorry, it's changing our behavior. And as I speak today about living a life that's for him, no doubt the Spirit of God is revealing to you areas of your life that, that need to change. We're an attitude, we're a behavior needs to change. And my encouragement to you today is to repent and to change that behavior. You know, I look at my life and I see areas where, I, where, I, where I'm stuck and I'm talking to Michelle about it when people do the wrong thing by me, um, like deliberately do the wrong thing by me, that really cheeses me off. And... I get angry and I go, blah, 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 this person, blah, 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 to my wife. And it's wrong and I shouldn't do that. And so I'm on this journey of becoming more like Jesus. I'm on this journey of aligning my life with what it means to live for him. And if you're fair income Jesus follower today, if you're fair income, you want the same thing. You want the same thing. So let's land this message this morning. Let's land this message. And let's get really, really practical. 
Have you ever been in bed on a morning? My morning and you go, I don't want to get out of bed, I don't want to get out of bed today. Today's gonna to suck, or you feel depressed, or you feel flat, or you feel when we understand why we're here, and that is we are here for him, well that gives you a reason to get out of bed every morning. Because I'm going to get out of bed, God, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to do the things that you want me to do today. When we understand why we're here, it changes our outlook on life, it changes our behavior, and it will help you get out of bed every morning. When you're sitting in front of the computer, men, particularly you, and there's this urge that wells up within you to click on those pictures of porn that you shouldn't click on, you're in that place and you go, I want to do this. But I know what God wants me to do, and you have to make a choice in that place. And if you're here for Him, well, the decision's already made for you. You just have to fill it. Jesus wants you to turn away from that stuff so you can make a deliberate decision in that moment to say, God, I'm here for you, therefore I'm going to click on Facebook or I'm going to walk away. If you find yourself arguing with your spouse or your partner, and it's a heated argument, and and, and you think you're in the right and you go, that's it, I'm not, I'm not talking about this anymore. And you, and you walk off and, you, and you're in a half and you, and you know you're in your right and she's in the wrong and, you, and you're cranky with her. And if you're living for yourself, well, stay cranky. Do what you want. Like. But if you're living for him, Jesus doesn't want that animosity. There's a big word, isn't it? Animosity in your marriage. He wants marriages restored and reconciled. So you will go, you know what? I know why I'm here. It's to honor him. So I'm going to go back to my wife and apologize and say sorry for my part in it and restore that relationship. That's what it looks like to live in him. Now, this would never happen at LifeGate Church, but let me give you the example in other churches. So you're in your life group or with a group of friends, and one of the people say, You know what Nathan did? The pastor? Nathan, not Nathan. You know what the pastor did this week? He upset me in this area and he did this. And the next person says, yeah, he upset me in this. And you go, you think and say, that's right. I remember when Nathan upset me. And friends, the reality is I will upset you. If you hang out with me long enough, I will tread on your toes. I will say something, not intentionally, usually, that you will take wrong. Or I will rub shoulders with you and I'll upset you. And guess what? I'm, I'm not Superman. I'm not like Alex. I am, I am a, a Jesus follower just like you who's trying to honor Jesus. And I will get it wrong. And when I do, come and talk to me about it. In that situation and all your friends starting to bag out the pastor and you want to say, you know what Jesus would want you to do? Why are you here for him? Well, in that situation, I'm going to say nothing. And I'm going to say to them, hey, guys, this isn't cool. If you've got a problem with Nathan, go in, talk to him about it. Yes? Yes. Thank you, Stephen. You're in a university exam, and this happened to me when I was in my first year of uni. We had to, they gave us a listening list, we had to listen to like 12 hours of music and operas and oratorios and all different styles of music from Baroque all the way through to 20th century. And we had to, and he'd play a small section of that 12 hours, and you had to know what, what piece it was, right? And the lecturer was, let's say, in space. So you guys are all doing your exam there, and the lecturer turns around, looks up the back corner, and does this for the 45 minutes. And so across the back row gets past the answers of the exam, and everyone just gets... Now, I'm not going to tell you what I was doing when that paper passed me. Um, That would not be appropriate to say, I don't think, in church. 
But, but I was a young 19-year-old man being transformed into the likeness of God. I can't remember what I did in that test. I can't remember what I did, to tell you the truth. But if you're in a uni exam and people are cheating and you have the opportunity to cheat, you know, if life's about you and getting ahead and pleasing you, well, then cheat. Make the best for yourself. But if, but if you are here to serve God and if you're here for him, well, don't cheat. Do what's right. Get the mark that you deserve. When you're making a decision for the future, you're thinking about you and your family or you're thinking about a course to do or you're thinking about what's, what sport or how to use your finance, whatever decision in life, you know, when we understand why we're here, I'm here for him, well, decision-making becomes more simple. Because, because, because when something comes up, the question is, well, Jesus, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because I'm here for you and I'm going to live your way. Last one. You're a single person with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, getting married soon. And you're together alone, maybe that's not such a good idea anyway, and inside your belly, the butterflies start to run, and your man, your testosterone starts to go stupid, and you can't think straight. And there's this temptation to touch things you shouldn't touch, and even have sex with your boyfriend, girlfriend. In that situation, the world says, go ahead, make it, make it exciting, enjoy, because it's about you and your satisfaction anyway. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you're here, not for yourself, but for him, you then in that situation make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to choose Jesus way and I'm going to get myself out of this situation. I'm going to jump out of the car. I'm going to change the room. We're going to move from this place and go where other people are. I'm going to make a deliberate decision because I want to honor God in every area of my life. Friends, I ask the question, why do we exist? For him. To love him, to serve him, to honor him, to live his way. That's why we're here. And then I ask the whole stack of other questions around why should I treat people well? Why should I honor my spouse? Why should I provide for my children? Why should I get free from my past? Why should I fulfill my purpose? The answer is because we're here for him. And we're to live the life that he wants us to live. When we get this, when we get this truth, it changes the way we think about life. And it changes the way that we live. It changes our behavior. Maybe you're here this morning, now afternoon, and, you've no, and you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're far from God and you want to come back to him. Well, friends, I want to give you the opportunity right now. We're going to pray a prayer, and this is the prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose again. God, I'm sorry for ignoring you, for living my own way. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus every day. If you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. And if you've already prayed that prayer in the past, I want you to pray it again. If you're a Christian, pray it again. If you're, and if you want to pray this prayer to commit your life to Jesus, do this now. So with every head bowed and eye closed, Let's pray this together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose again. God, I'm sorry 
for ignoring you, for living my life without you. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you just pray that prayer, you just become a Christian. We're going to welcome you to the family. And that's the first step in the journey. We want to help you as a church continue to follow him all the days of your life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and stand, if that's all right, you guys. Come and stand at the front. And as we close this service and Rick puts on some lovely music, if you prayed that prayer to become a Christian, I'd love you to come and stand with these guys and someone will talk to you and pray with you. But if something that I've said also in the message has triggered something in your heart, around why you exist and how you're living. Love to pray with you as well as we close. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can worship you. We thank you for the testimonies that we've heard around Hype and Rick. We thank you for the Samaritan Purse stuff and God, as we looked at why, why we're here. And your word says very clearly that we are here for you, Jesus, for God, for Holy Spirit. for We're here to live for you, Jesus. God, help us. Help us to be the people that you want us to be. Reveal to us by your Spirit those areas of our lives that need to change. And God, I pray that you will bring breakthrough in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Church, be released. If you'd like some prayer, please come and pray with these guys. Otherwise, have an amazing week. Amen. We want to say happy birthday to Diane too. 21 today. Happy birthday, Diane. Faith will stay.